Chapter Seven of the Shadow of Victory. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Shadow of Victory by Myrtle Reed. Chapter Seven. The Alarm. With rare presence of mind, Beatrice blew out the candles and they made their way to the river in the darkness the mist was rising from the bare earth and the air was heavy with dew there was no outward sign of danger but the gray shadows were portentous of evil and in the very stillness was a nameless fear mrs mackenzie had the baby in her arms smother him if he cries said the trader in a low tone but fortunately the child kept quiet Maria Indiana began to wail and her father shook her roughly keep still he whispered warningly Beatrice took charge of the other children who did as they were told without a murmur of complaint The bateau lay at its moorings and they got into it with as little noise as possible Mackenzie and Robert were at the oars The stream was narrow yet the minutes passed like hours and the sound of the oars seemed to carry far into the night Careful now whispered Mackenzie Robert took the little girl in his arms and they ran up the esplanade to the fort Dim shapes of horror seemed hovering around them as they strained their ears to catch the savage cry Which had blazed the red trail of torture from Jamestown to the lakes Soldiers ran to meet them picked up the two older children and hurried with them into the fort as they entered the stockade the heavy gate crashed into place thank god breathed mackenzie we are safe on the parade ground was a scene of confusion men ran to and fro carrying ammunition and pails of water to the blockhouses and points marked on the stockade pine knots thrust between the bars blazed fitfully throwing a lurid light here and there and making the darkness deeper by contrast from the windows and open doors of the officers quarters came stray gleams of light White-faced men and women ran in and out of the shadows hoarse cries of command were heard and it seemed like some vivid dream Beatrice ran to the stables and Queen whinnied when she felt the girl's soft hand upon her Hush she said we came together beauty and we'll stay together while we're here she added with a little choke in her voice over by the barracks a man and a boy were talking to captain franklin while a little group of people listened Beatrice with Queen's halter in her hand went near enough to hear I Knew something was wrong the man was saying a dozen of them came in all painted up But Frenchy and white seemed to think it was all right and went on talking to them I Says to the kid here they ain't Potawatomi's and we better get away if we can do as you see me do So we went out to the canoes and two of the red devils followed us to ask where we were going I told them we were going over to feed the cattle and we'd be back soon to get supper When we got across we pulled some hay and pretended to get the cattle together But as soon as we got behind a stack we ran for the fort two shots were fired after we left and God only knows what they're doing up there now there must be thousands of them in the woods Where's Chan asked mrs. Mackenzie haven't seen him since noon 
replied her husband. He'll have to look out for himself. Where are the soldiers who went fishing? asked Beatrice. They haven't come back, answered the captain, but they're armed. That won't do any good, said Lieutenant Howard. Two of the soldiers standing by ran to the blockhouses without waiting for an order. The deep-throated guns thundered a warning, and confused echoes came back, but there was no other answer. Preparations for fight went on. The men in the blockhouses were ordered to stay there, and others were assigned to the same posts. Still others were stationed at the magazine and at regular intervals along the stockade. The gates were heavily guarded, and Captain Franklin ordered the women and children to the officers' quarters, but only Mrs. Mackenzie obeyed. "'I'll stay here,' said Mrs. Franklin, in open defiance. "'Wait till we are attacked,' cried Catherine. "'Queen and I will stay together,' said Beatrice proudly. Ronald was rapidly loading the army pistols and distributing them among the women. Beatrice was standing with her arm thrown over the mare's neck when he came to her, and the fitful light of the pine knots shone full upon her face and her glorious hair. Her eyes were bright, and she breathed rapidly, but no one could have said she was afraid. For a moment they stood there, looking into each other's eyes. When the first Indian leaps the stockade, put it to your temple and fire, said Ronald, almost in a whisper. Beatrice took the heavy pistol from him with a steady hand. Give me another cartridge, she said. What for? For Queen. I won't have her hurt, and she goes first. The ensign obeyed, with another long look at the girl. You're a thoroughbred, he said. For a breathless instant they faced each other. Then Ronald clicked his heels together, saluted, and turned away. Something stirred painfully in the girl's heart. As in a dream, she saw Mrs. Mackenzie and the children going into Lieutenant Howard's, watched Forsyth and the trader as they loaded their muskets, and heard Catherine's terrible laugh when she put the cold muzzle of the pistol to her temple to see how it would feel. Then Franklin and Ronald passed her. I won't give an order, the captain was saying. It's a job for volunteers. May I have them? asked the ensign. Yes, six. We can spare no more. A moment later a clear voice sounded above the clamour. Attention! There was the rush of hurrying feet, an instant's wondering silence. Then Ronald spoke. Boys, he said, Mrs. Burns has a baby a day old, and there is no one with her but her husband. I'm going after them. Who's going with me? The soldiers to a man rallied around him. I came from every throat. I'm going. Six only, he said. He quickly selected his men. They snatched up their guns, and, with a warning hush from him, they went to the bateau in which the Mackenzies had crossed. Steady, came Ronald's low voice, when the oars murmured in the water and the heavy gate rumbled into place once more. Forsyth, stunned by the whirl of events, was leaning on his musket, staring vacantly into space. Across the parade ground, his face appeared to Beatrice in the last flicker of a burnt-out knot. All her pent-up anger returned to her, and, still smarting under the memory of his affront, she left her horse and went over to him. "'Why didn't you go with him?' she demanded. "'Who? Where?' "'Ensign Ronald.' "'I—I I don't know.' 
he stammered he had told the unvarnished truth but she interpreted it in her own way i'll tell you why you didn't go she said with measured distinctness then her eyes flashed and her breast heaved coward she blazoned robert started as if he had been struck but before he could speak she had left him and gone back to queen her lip curled as she saw him standing there leaning on his musket with his head bowed his habit of self-analysis asserted itself and he began to wonder whether she had been right the blood that had left his heart came back in tides of pain and the word burned itself upon his consciousness coward he said to himself coward she called me a coward yet he knew that what she had said did not matter so much as the possibility that she had spoken truly that his self-respect meant more than any woman's praise or blame his reason told him that but her scornful accusing face flitted before him and he had an impulse to get away it did not matter where still dazed he went to the blockhouse at the northwest corner of the stockade and joined the men there on the parade ground dr norton was making gruesome preparations a stretcher was placed near each blockhouse and others at regular intervals bottles were ranged in rows upon the ground and piles of bandages showed whitely under the flare of the torches he looked up to find katherine at his side let me help you she said no there's nothing you can do just now but i'm afraid we'll have our hands full later if go and scrape some lint he broke off abruptly and make some coffee get the other women to help you here the lieutenant passed them without seeming to see them and she followed him with a guilty feeling in her heart when she entered her own house she found her mother there scraping lint and making bandages while a pot of strong coffee was already steaming on the hearth and piles of cut bread were stacked upon the table this is all we can do dear said mrs mackenzie let me help you mother i'll get some more old linen mrs franklin came in with her arms full of white cloth which she tore into strips and wound tightly ready for immediate use they worked by the light of a single candle and the three loaded pistols lay on the table in front of them if we sleep tonight said the captain's wife at length without pausing in her task i'll take miss manning and mrs burns when the boys come back mother and the children can stay here said katherine but i haven't room for any more that's all right answered mrs mackenzie the men can go to the barracks more than an hour passed but nothing was heard from the rescue party and the fear of danger deepened the lieutenant came in endeavoring to conceal his nervousness that's good he said indicating the piles of lint and bandages then he drank a cup of strong black coffee and paced back and forth uneasily where are the boys asked katherine isn't it time for them to come back no i don't think so we could hardly expect them yet couldn't some of the others go after them heavens no we haven't fifty men here and we need every one chan is missing seven have gone after mrs burns and six are on a fishing trip that's fourteen out of our small force in their place we have father john forsyth and the man and boy from lees the indians are probably gathering in the woods and making ready to attack us 
God, he said under his breath, why can't we have troops? Catherine warned him with a glance which almost imperceptibly indicated Mrs. Franklin, who was hard at work, seemingly absorbed in her task. Where's Wallace? she asked without looking up. Walking around the parade ground. He's safe, he added bitterly. Don't worry about him. Mrs. Mackenzie and Catherine both frowned at the emphasis on the last word. Don't worry about me, either, he continued. I'm going now. Catherine went to the door with him. Can I do anything more, dear? she asked. No, he said roughly. Unless you want to mind your own business for a while. He laughed harshly, pushed her from him, and went out. Ralph isn't well, she sighed, going back to the table. And I'm afraid something has happened outside, too. I wonder where the boys are. The whole garrison was asking the same question secretly, but no man would openly admit that there was ground for anxiety. Beatrice had tied Queen to the flagpole and was besieging the doctor with inquiries. Tell me, she pleaded for the third time, haven't they been gone long enough to get back? Yes, he answered finally. They have. They should have been here long ago. I knew it, she exclaimed. I'm going to the blockhouse to see if they aren't coming. She called to those above her, but no one heard, so she went up the ladder. Where are they? she cried, bursting in upon the startled group. Even as she spoke, there was a faint, Hello! from the west. They're coming! shouted Robert, but his voice was lost, for the sentinel at the gate had heard also. The parade ground filled with people, and Beatrice had turned to descend the ladder, when Robert caught her by the arm. Beatrice, he gasped, let me know the worst. Do you despise me? Yes, she said coolly. Please let go of me, and never dare to touch me again. The gate was lifted, and seven men came in, carrying the mattress on which lay Mrs. Burns and her baby. Mrs. Franklin led the way to her hospitable door, where Mrs. Mackenzie and Catherine were already waiting to do what they could in the way of making the mother and child comfortable. It was Mrs. Mackenzie who first noticed that Ronald was not with them. "'Where's George?' she asked in a low tone. "'He's gone up the river, ma'am,' answered one of the soldiers. "'We begged him not to, but he would go, and he wouldn't let a one of us go with him. He thought he heard a noise, so he went upstream to see what it was.' Mr. Burns had seen no Indians, but, like the others, thought they were gathering in the woods. He was far away from the house at the time the man had shouted the warning, but he had heard the two shots at Lee's and the guns from the fort. Captain, said Lieutenant Howard, I'll be one of the party to go and find Ronald. He's probably up at Lee's. You won't, growled the captain, biting his moustache. Just because the young fool chooses to risk his life for nothing, I won't expose five or six men to danger. We have none to spare. How did he go? asked the doctor of Mr. Burns. He took my boat. He'll pull back downstream quick enough if anything is wrong. No, he won't, returned the doctor warmly. You don't know the lad. Robert walked back and forth on the parade ground, sorely troubled on his own account, and deeply concerned for the safety of his friend. Mackenzie shared his anxiety, but quickly vetoed the suggestion that they too follow him. "'Tain't no matter of use, Rob,' he said kindly. "'We're under military orders, and you heard what the captain said. "'Besides, that daredevil boy ain't afraid of anything, 
and I'll guess he'll come out with a whole skin. He always has. Were you thinking of going after him, cousin Rob? asked Beatrice sweetly. He started at the sound of her voice, then looked full in her face with no sign of recognition. Beatrice met his eyes squarely until he turned on his heel and walked away, followed by a peal of light, mocking laughter that cut into his heart like a knife. "'What's the matter between you and Rob?' asked the trader, curiously. "'Nothing,' answered the girl, shrugging her shoulders. "'But I was amused a little while ago because he was so frightened. He was scared almost to death.' Mackenzie's eyes glittered as he peered at her keenly from under his bushy brows. "'Don't say that again, my girl,' he said huskily. "'For fear doesn't run in the Forsyth blood. "'His grandfather was killed at Lexington.' "'A boat is coming!' shouted a man from the blockhouse. "'Shortly afterward, the fishing party came in, "'tired but triumphant, with a long string of river fish. "'They had seen no Indians, and had not met Ronald. "'Did you hear the gun?' asked the captain. "'Yes, sir,' replied one of the soldiers. We were up on the north branch and thought it was a warning, so we laid low for a while. Then, as we didn't hear anything more, we came on down as quietly as we could. "'Everything all right at Lee's?' asked Lieutenant Howard. "'As far as we saw, sir.' Still, there was uneasiness regarding the ensign. Catherine was pale, Mrs. Franklin was crying, and Beatrice had her small hands clenched tightly together. Suddenly they all knew how much they should miss him if Then there was a familiar whistle outside the sentinel opened the gate and Ronald came in with a big black and white dog in his arms I Thought I heard him howling he said in answer to the torrent of questions So I went on up to Lee's to get him the devils had been there all right the guns must have frightened them away Yes, he continued in a low tone in answer to a whispered question from Howard white and frenchy white was shot and stabbed in the breast and poor frenchy was scalped the whole top of his head lifted off the dog was guarding the body what's that asked mrs franklin from the edge of the group where all the women were standing together speak louder we can't hear the deep-toned bell tolled taps and there was a general movement toward quarters i was just talking about the dog shouted ronald to the women he fought me at first he continued addressing the lieutenant and the doctor but i soon won his heart poor old boy he said stroking the dog he didn't want to be made into a stew did he we must go up tomorrow said the lieutenant what are you going to call him asked the doctor major i guess we haven't a major here lieutenant howard's white teeth showed in a sarcastic smile you might call him captain he said twisting his moustache for the same good reason. End of chapter 7